Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The final four of the World Cup is among us here as the semifinals have taken shape. So to get you guys prepared for both of those massive matches, we have assembled an ultimate cast here. My name is Jacob. I'll be hosting today. Alex, who's back. Paul, who's back. And Adrian, also as Drunken Goon, who are back for today. All four of us here. We'll be talking about the two quarterfinal games from Saturday because we have not had a show since then. So we'll talk about Morocco's win over Portugal and France's win over England before going into both of those semifinal fixtures. Let's just go one by one. Thoughts on who we have involved in the semifinals and maybe very brief thoughts overall on what we have on the slate for the semifinals. Um. I think uh, I'm a little bit disappointed still in the non-Argentina-Brazil semifinal. Um, haven't quite made my peace with that yet, but uh, I'm really excited for France-Morocco. I think that's going to be a really, really good game. Yeah, let's go to Paul. Any just initial thoughts? Yeah, like I said after the Brazil game, it's a bit of a shame that that amazing Neymar goal is going to count for nothing if we don't get the, the blockbuster event. I mean, it's always good to have kind of relatively small nations get through um, until you realise you get to the semi-finals and these are the games that you get, um, which is no disrespect to Croatia or Morocco by any stretch, but it's only every four years you get chances to get these kind of matchups, and it's a bit of a shame that we've got this. But hopefully still Argentina-France could be on the cards, so maybe we'll get a, a, a bombastic final. And Adrian, anything you have on your mind? Um, yeah, not having Brazil in the semis is a bit of a blow, but uh, Croatia was full value for for battling uh, in that quarterfinal, and... Uh, they just know how to win big games, and uh, they uh, they did it four years ago. They're doing it again this year, and uh, let's see let's see what happens against Argentina. So I speak I, I speak for all of us in saying that no disrespect whatsoever to uh, any of the teams involved here. Obviously, when it comes to tournaments, it's about having your moment, seizing those moments. All four teams have done that, and full credit to them. I want to remind you guys though that this is fine margins presented by the Betfred Sportsbook. Make sure you have signed up to the Betfred Sportsbook for all of your sports betting needs for the World Cup. And beyond that, thank you so much to Betfred for sponsoring the World Cup content here at the Hammer Betting Network because Fine Margins is our soccer content division. But you can visit the Hammer.bet for more sports betting content wherever you like to place your wagers, basketball, NFL, and more here. Only going to be two more episodes, including tonight. We'll have another one on Thursday that will talk about the two semifinals. We'll have odds that are settled for the, the matchup for the third place match as well as the finals. So, um, unfortunate, but after all, as you get closer to the end of the tournament, it's kind of sad because there's going to be no more games. But it's also exciting because they are the biggest games. But before we talk about those games, the teams that are playing, they got it done on Saturday. Let's go to the first of all, Morocco against Portugal here. There was a lot of confidence on this show in Portugal being able to take care of business against a Moroccan team that have impressed, but it seemed like we're going to be out of gas. Somehow, they still had more in the tank despite injuries to uh, Aguer before the game, uh, Saiz during the game, Mazraoui before the game as well. Could, could not, I could not believe they won that game in the 90, but uh, heroic effort from many different players and a well-taken goal by El Naziri, uh, by El Naziri, albeit probably a goalie mistake, 
Alex, your thoughts on the Moroccan team. You've been highest on them out of anybody I've spoken to. Uh, I believe you also just cashed a Morocco to advance to the semifinal pre-tournament ticket. So you must be feeling really good about that. Yeah, I, uh, I feel a little bit bad for uh, reneging on Morocco there going into the, uh, into the game. Um, I mean, we I talked on the that, show yeah. about how, how we <laughs> did like Morocco to get a result lineup pending. And then you saw, you know, the guys who were, who were out of the lineup. And, you know, I, I wasn't sure they were going to be able to replicate that same success without them. But, you know, full credit to them. Um, before I touch on Morocco, though, I, I will just say for Portugal, because we have done a lot of bashing on them uh, on this show. And uh, I did. There was a part of me that felt a little bit bad for Ronaldo at the end of that, um, as he was sort of crying, walking off. He, he came in at a weird time for this national team where that like the golden generation was just ending, you know, the likes of like, you know, Deco, Figo, uh, Rui Costa, all those guys. And, and he sort of was in this era for Portugal where they didn't have that talent around him. The quality really sort of dropped off. And now they're ushering in this new golden generation and he's going out and, you know, he's kind of came in in that weird transition phase. So you, you do feel a little bit bad for him that he wasn't able to really get much going at the world cup. Now he departs having, you know, never scored a knockout stage goal, but uh, you know, a, a bit too bad for him, but um, nonetheless, Morocco, super happy for them. Uh, an incredible run, obviously. Um, I mean, everyone's sort of been calling this a, like a fairy tale run for them to the semifinals. I think there's a lot more to it than that. I think this is still a very, very talented side. Um, this is not like the Turkey and South Korea teams that we saw make it in 2002. Those are very different circumstances. I think that, uh, you know, Morocco are, are very live still in this tournament. And, you know, like more importantly, not just that they're a talented side, but they found a way for the whole to be greater than the sum of its parts, which, you know, we see countless national teams that have these uber talented players top to bottom, these, you know, stacked rosters um, with no real ability to find that balance of cohesion to sort of put it all together. But Morocco have found the perfect recipe for success and no one's been able to solve them so far. You know, they defend so admirably as a unit. Um, clearly, a, there's a plug and play situation going on with, you know, you, you take out guys like Aguerd and Mizraoui yeah. and they're able to have guys of much lesser quality step in and fill that same role. So I think that's really a testament to uh, the system they're playing. And and really, I think um, Regraoui is he deserves so much credit for what he's done with his team. And I think that's kind of fallen under the radar. Um, just appointed in August, you know, he hasn't had much time to work with this team. He was able to smooth things over with Ziek and the other guys who were sort of unsettled there and might not have been participating in this World Cup. And now what he's done for them, I mean, not only are Morocco the first African team in the semis, but he became the first African and Arab manager to reach the quarters even when they beat Spain. So really just an impressive accomplishment. Um, he also won the African Champions League earlier this year. So, you know, he's had quite a year. I don't think their story is done being written yet, though. Um, I mean, we still haven't seen the blueprint for beating them. Uh, I think France are obviously very deserving of the tag of favorites coming into this semifinal. But uh, I think Morocco are still very live here. You know, as much as they haven't created a ton of attack in this World Cup, they've taken their chances and France have shown to be vulnerable. They have still now conceded in every single game at this World Cup. So I don't think this is going to be straightforward. I think that, you know, unlike other sort of fairy tale runs that have, have come crashing down in the semis typically, I think that Morocco are still very much in this with the chance. I think that they're, you know, they know this isn't job done and uh, I think they'll still believe. And I think they have every right to. Yeah. I believe this team thinks they can go all the way at this point. I don't think any of the players, obviously they're happy with a semifinal appearance, but they're not satisfied at this point, knowing what's at stake here. And I like the point you made on the cohesion, very next man up attitude, like, and cohesion is something that I think the adversary there, Portugal may have lacked there. And I, I think that does start at the top a little bit because pre-game, everything is always going to be about Ronaldo. Maybe that's not his fault, but 
we, we've spoken a lot with Paul, especially about how maybe that team is not the best with him in the squad. And then after that game, he was saying, well, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they are better with him. Paul, did this game really change any of that opinion? Because Ronaldo came in, maybe he made a, a little bit of difference. Maybe I didn't quite see it, but your thoughts on the decision to keep Ronaldo out of the squad and how that affected them? I don't think it made too much of a difference. I think, I think that Morocco... The way that they defended during that game, I think they would have kept out most teams. Um, and I think the most frustrating thing from a Portuguese perspective is something that I've you, you see quite a bit when teams start to get desperate from a from a tactical perspective. When a, when a low block is, is as low as Morocco's was, I think they had six or seven <laughs> across the edge of the box at times in the second half. You just get stuck in that carousel of passing from left back to centre back to right wing, and because the pressing is so good. Like Dallo was get, getting the ball three or four times in a bit of space, but the pressing was so good. They were on top of him immediately. And all he's doing is then recirculating the ball back round. And it, it's it's really frustrating to watch. But sometimes I felt maybe a bit more guile. You've got guys like Bernardo Silva in the team, guys like Ramos that can drop off, even Leal when he came on. Try and get in the, in the, the half spaces a little bit more and try and find through passes. And I think they were trying too hard to get the ball into a position where they could try and swing the ball into the box rather than actually using the skillful players that they've got to try and play through the lines. Now, don't get me wrong, the lines were narrow. There wasn't a lot of space, but I feel like maybe they had enough guy and enough talent in those areas to maybe go and do that if they tried it. But at the end of the day, you've just got to take your hat off to Morocco. That's, that's twice have done it now to two really excellent sides. Again, you could make the same case about Spain as well in terms of that passing procession without incision. They did a lot of that in, in the Morocco game as well. So maybe that's something that France could face uh, an issue with. But I think the main thing to touch on to touch on the, the French perspective is I, I made the prophetic statement in the pod before that the game would be won or lost based on Mbappé's performance. And I was absolutely, completely and utterly wrong. They won without Mbappé. <laughs> yep. Mbappé was marked out of the contest. So that proves to me that France had the ability to go and win tough games without their best player. Um, and even though I agree with Alex, they have conceded goals in this tournament. They, they have got multiple ways and they can get it done. For example, Griezmann was absolutely outstanding again in, in that match. So I, I do have a lot of respect for Morocco and the way they'll, they'll defend. But I do think that Fra- France have more, more tools at their disposal to play in a slightly different way and tweak it if they have to. And I think they might just get this done. Very interesting thoughts there. Adrian, where do you think this one goes wrong for Portugal, who, I mean, they have to feel disappointed with with an opportunity like this. Yeah, coming in off that uh, blowout of Switzerland, they really looked uh, like world beaters. Uh, I think they didn't learn the lesson that uh, Spain offered them. The uh, thousand passes uh, with no results was uh, something that they should learn from. They needed to quicken the pace and uh, put some pressure on that um Moroccan defense, but they did not. They chose to pass it laterally back and forth. And uh, it's probably a, a sign of degradation in, uh, in the development of players around the world. Everybody's doing the same thing, two touches and uh, get rid of the ball. We don't have a lot of players that take on uh, defenders and, and try to beat them on, uh, in possession. Uh, that is the way to kind of break down this uh, Tunisian defense, uh, Tunisian Moroccan defense. And... Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
France has a couple of guys on uh, on the sides with Dembele and Mbappe that can uh, can take on defenders and uh, and beat them and uh, and create some uh, some chaos. And uh, if if you break down that organization, you can get chances. It's it's just a matter of, of doing the first before you get the second. I think sometimes and I'm not saying all the time this is the case, but I, I think there's specific circumstances where deviating away from the way you want to play is a necessary step. So not necessarily being route one, but finding maybe some more. Uh, balls played in behind allowing your pace your players to just get the defenders a bit on their heels just make the defenders play with, with facing their own net I, I just think sometimes switching it up like that can be the biggest difference as simple as it may sound and as simple of a way to, as it is to play just shaking it up could work because it does there's just a definitive lack of penetration from from Portugal who did just continuously swing it around and credit to Morocco they held such a such a firm line like an almost impenetrable 4-3-3 that's just plug and play as Alex was saying Credit to them for doing that, but I, I think like the best teams have to find a way to to break down a stubborn team like that. But with that, let's go into the second match, which was, in my opinion, the best game of the tournament so far. Two teams who really brought good performances here. Uh, now, preface this, I am English. I will say I felt like England were the better team. I'm not saying England were deserving to win. I'm just saying they probably performed a bit better. But when it comes to tournament play, it is definitely about taking your chances. The referee wasn't the best. I don't think that affected the game. England got two penalties at the end of the day. One does not go in. Uh, but uh, France seized their opportunities. They realized that England weren't really breaking them down a ton here and took their opportunities in transition. That's the way I saw it. Alex, your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I thought we broke this game down pretty well on the show last week. Um, results just sort of didn't go our way. Uh, England outplayed France for the most part completely shut down Mbappe. I mean, if you told me that was going to happen, I would have felt very <laughs> confident in their chances to win the game. But at the end of the day, you know, Yoris looked like he was 25 years old again. Um, Chouameni produced like a moment of absolute brilliance. Although I think maybe Pickford could have maybe done a little bit better there. But, you know, that's another conversation, I guess. Uh, and, and then Kane, you know, he looks like he's kicking a 40-yard field goal, blasting <laughs> that one over the bar. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they were able to generate consistent pressure on the France defense. They, you know, they limited France's opportunities going forward. Uh, I thought they did well to take away space in midfield. They won the ball back relatively quickly when they needed to. But in a one-off knockout stage football sort of game, this is how it goes sometimes. And uh, I thought, you know, ultimately France, they're just their know-how and their, you know, their tournament-hardened team. And they were able to find a way to get it done despite not giving off their best performance. And that's what it takes to win these competitions. Sometimes you're not always going to be at your best and you just have to find a way to win these games. So credit to them still. Um in terms of England, I thought that, you know, this was their best tournament under Southgate. Um, maybe they didn't go as far as they have in the previous two, but ultimately I thought that, you know, 2018, the draw just broke really kindly for them. They really didn't play anyone in, uh, before making it to the semifinals. And then in, you know, Euro 2020 or I guess 2021, they were able to play their tougher opponents like uh, like Denmark and Germany in uh, Wembley. So I thought that was, you know, really favorable for them. So I thought that was more impressive than, you know, this time around than I was in the last two. Still a very young team. You know, I think there are some some very good days ahead for them still. This feels like one of those games where if it's played 100 times, like I could easily see each team advancing 50 times. Like the Chouameni goal was great, but just, and again, this is from a fan perspective. And like, you have to understand how incredibly, like how incredibly seriously I take these things and like how passionate I am about England. It's just think about the smallest things. Like Chouameni goal slips through Bellingham's legs and he's right there and, he could have blocked that. The for end, there was arguably a foul in the buildup. I don't think it was enough of a foul to say to suggest it. The goal should have been pulled back. I'm not suggesting that, but 
that's that's easily one that that could have been called on Saka. There's there's the 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 first penalty shot in the first half, which I, I would guess VAR assumed it was outside the box, which I also agree with that one. But it's just like those small, minuscule things that made such a big difference. And these are things that I'm going to be thinking about 20 years from now that that happened. So <laughs> just obsessive with that. Uh, let's sh- let's shift over to Paul. Uh, I, I think, and I, and I said this actually to uh, to a, a viewer of the show. I think you hide your like how much you don't like England pretty well when you're on this show. You can tell me if I'm wrong on there. I think you hide it very well. I think you're a little bit pleased that they're out of the tournament here based on the kind of following you on Twitter. You can feel free to say I'm wrong. Um, but your thoughts on this English performance against France? Yeah, there's a reason why it's called, I've said this before, man, it's fine margins. <laughs> it's a name for the, for the show because that's that's what it is. And all seriousness, yes. right? Um, the reason why I was I was quite stressed on, on the on the pod on Friday is because I thought they could win this, um, and I've got much more of a problem with English arrogance when I think they don't deserve to win it, which has been for most of my life. Um, I was a ne- I was nervous because I thought this team did have the capabilities to go and win the tournament, and that's why I was nervous. Listen, my son was born here, my daughter was born here. They'll grow up supporting England, so it's I don't there's not much <laughs> we can do about it. But from that perspective, like we can talk all day about trends and stuff like that and from a journalistic perspective I can totally get it that the English press in particular are so desperate to try and formulate a narrative around that game and I I don't think I've seen a football match recently which there's just no narrative to derive from that. England played well and lost the game in fine margins whereas if you run the simulator as you say they won at 64 or 65-35 over a number of times like the tactically, England got it pretty much spot on. France played well, played a tournament game, and won the game. <laughs> I don't really think there's much yeah. more derived out of that. Like Eng- the English press at the moment are trying to pull Southgate narratives, or what does it mean for Harry Kane? Sometimes games of football just happen, and randomness happens. And 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 in that case, I, that's what happened in this match. Like everybody can come out of that game feeling quite contented with it. Like Harry Kane missed a penalty, big deal. Like England played well. It's one one of the best tournament performances they, they, they've had against a good side in quite a long time. It's better than how they played against Croatia, better than even how they played against Colombia in 2018. They played differently as well. I think the thing that, that, that Alex was touching on, most of the European uh, uh, Championship performances were based on three at the back and two sitting, right, to try and contain and then hit, hit them on the counter-attack in the second half, which they did so well to Germany, right? This team can play different ways. Um, and, and more in the front foot and that's what we've asked for Southgate for the entire time and now that he's did it I think he's got to be given the opportunity to go and do it again at the next tournament because I think England fans completely forget about the Nadir of 2016 and going out in the groups in 2014 right those were not good teams right and not, they were not teams worth following this is a good team with a manager that the players seem to trust um, and I think you just write this off as a tournament match and you allow him to go again in 2024 yeah, it's such like it's one game. Uh, all all the possibilities of that one game, losing that one game, no matter how you play, always present there. I would, I as much as I've criticized Southgate, I'd like to see him continue. And going on the performance here, the first like in in my memory, first tournament I remember watching is the two thousand six World Cup where England went out to Portugal in the quarters. I mean, I was only six years old, so maybe I wasn't the best at analyzing it, but it didn't really look like England were ever going to actually win that game. And I, I think. This is like the best team they've played in my lifetime at one of these tournaments. And they, they I thought they did quite well. Um, just like you said, 
tournament win for France. Adrian, your thoughts on England-France to finish us off? Um, Well-balanced game. France was better tactically in the first half, but I was really impressed with the uh, the adjustments that England made at the uh, half. Uh, they started pressing and they generated some turnovers and had some uh, some runs into space, especially with Saka. Um, it just didn't, didn't happen for them, but that's not uh, for lack of trying. They, they were the better team in the second half. And, uh, you know, fine margins that, you know, if you're a 75% penalty shooter and you have to take two in the game, you're only 56% to make both of them. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's math, really. Um, a lot of managers choose not to let the same player take two, but Harry Kane has done it at the World Cup before, so I, I don't see a reason not to let him take it. Uh, Southgate's got, done a wonderful job with the, with England, just bringing all these youngsters along, and he deserves a, a shot to to go to the next Euros and the next World Cup and uh, and see where, where that takes him. Penalties, penalties are always very results based. Like if Kane, if it's, if it's saved, then it's like, why are you letting Kane shoot against Lloris? He knows where he shoots better than anybody in the world because that was a bit of a, a conversation before the first penalty. But you, your best penalty taker takes the penalty. That's it. End of story. Especially for England, where Southgate is is very serious about the penalty orders, as we spoke about on this show. It's just that's what he normally scores. He just did it. But uh, we also we spoke a lot about England, obviously full credit to France for the way they played and, and how good that team is in spite of all the injuries that they've had. You know, no Benzema, but Giroud scoring goals, uh, no Conte Pogba, who many played pretty well. Rabios looked really good at this tournament and uh, full credit to them onto the semis where they are the outright favorites at this current point here. I would say that's probably more based on the fact that they are have a uh, higher chance of winning their semifinal. Well, we'll see what you guys think about that here, but let's go over into the Betfred odd screen over here, pulling all the odds from Betfred for the show as always. And just straight up looking at the win, draw, win, the three-way here, Argentina minus 115 against Croatia, Croatia plus 380 there. That is in the 90. We'll remind you guys, anybody watching uh, France minus 197 against Morocco, Morocco plus 650. Uh, Let's go chronologically here because tomorrow is that game Argentina against Croatia. Uh, Let's go in reverse order here and we'll start with Adrian. You're just overall thoughts, Argentina, Messi's chances against this Croatian team, the way they've been resilient, and how you want to approach this one from a betting perspective. All right, so let me preface this. I hate both teams. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm going to go with Croatia plus a half here, uh, minus uh, 110, minus 115 uh, or better. They are uh, a team that knows how to, how to get the job done in, in tournaments like this. They're just not going to panic. They're going to sit back and let Argentina have a lot of possession, and they're going to look to strike on the counter. They are able to battle back if they fall behind, which uh, not a lot of teams can do in this tournament. But uh, everybody talks about the Croatian midfield. I've been so impressed with their defense. It's just a, a block that does not make mistakes. They just get the ball off you and off it goes. Uh, always easy passes, easy transition to the midfield, and then let those guys do uh, do the job. Um, Argentina is really relying on, Mex- on uh, Messi. Uh, we've seen a couple of guys step up and, and contribute, but uh, I didn't really like the way they, they approached that Dutch game, especially when they're up one and two goals. They always looked like conceding and just didn't know how to manage the game very well. Um, they panicked and uh, it cost them. It could have cost them more. But uh, you know, having to go to extra time and penalties in a tournament like this, it uh, it's uh, it you know it drains you physically and mentally. So it's it's something that they uh, they've lost in the process. I, I kind of feel like, and I said this in the last show, because the way our Argentina managed the game was poor, decision making was poor. The foul in the hundredth minute, which provided Netherlands that opportunity to get the equalizer, was a, a foul that was absolutely unnecessary. 
I kind of feel like having like a scare like that where you're very fortunate to overcome will just kind of sure up the mindset as you get into maybe these next games. Because I think if they're up 1-0 late against Croatia here, they won't have slips in mind like that. Uh, but Paul, you're still riding that Argentina outright. We're still here. Uh, you're going to try to load up on that side. You're going to try to hedge it a little bit. What, what's your perspective going to this one? I'm just going to let that ticket ride because I agree with Adrian. They haven't really, they still haven't impressed me. They've kind of stumbled their way to the semifinals um, through you know, luck rather than judgment in some cases. I think Scaloni, the coach, has thrown some excrement at the wall, shall we say, and he's somehow managed <laughs> to get it all together at the final at the final hurdle. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's through systems. I agree completely with Adrian. Like Dejan Lovren got a lot of stick in, in the UK, but him and Gvardiol have been absolutely outstanding in this tournament. And then you look at a guy like Juranovic, who has been at Celtic for the past eight or nine months, and anybody who watches him knows how attacking he is, but he's actually putting it on a, on a world stage now as well. And and that unit is just it's just so hard to break down. And the times where where, where um, there's been a, a, a really engaged defence in this tournament, for example, Saudi Arabia in the second half, Mexico for 60 minutes. Argentina were horrendous for 60 minutes against Mexico. They did not look like scoring in a million years. Yep. Um, and it took a moment of messy genius to, to decide the match. And I know I said this about Mbappe on the last one, but I really do think it's the case about, he, about this one. If Messi turns up and does something like that, then Argentina will, will, will probably get it done. But if they don't, Croatia could easily pinch this from them. I've absolutely no doubt about that. Like four years ago, Croatia gave them an absolute hiding in the group stages. Now I know the teams are different, but there are some of the personnel that are there the same. And Croatia are playing largely the same way in this tournament that they did then. And like they, they beat them easily that day. So there's, there'll, there'll be some battle scars from that one. And I don't know. Croatia, when they get into a tournament and they seem to run through it, they almost seem to kind of gain power. Like it's like it's like um, it's like a bad guy in a, a video game. Do you know what I mean? They just seem to gather the opponent's energy when they put them out and they take it into the next one. And and, and that's that's to be rivaled and to be respected for a country of what four and a half million people. It's it's really incredible stuff. So I don't expect this to be a um, a classic by any stretch. Both teams went the full one hundred and twenty. I think this is going to be a real other test of endurance. Uh, I'd be betting, very much betting unders this one. In fact, I might even go correct score 0-0 here because I can really, really see this one going all the way again. Yeah, so just wanted to bring up the the markets here. You guys to see uh, over, under, 2.5, heavily juiced towards, heavily juiced towards the under 2.5 and minus 173. Uh, we did want to talk about as well, the, maybe the two advanced markets where Croatia is plus 200 compared to Argentina, minus 250. Uh, I think Paul's kind of on the nose there with Croatia. I live in a, a, a part of... Uh, Ontario, Canada, with a very, very large population of Croatians. They are a very proud group of people here, and they are going to have uh, enormous support for this team. And I know that the team are going to absolutely be feeling it for this one. Sensing, like, I don't think this Croatian team is really, I, I, I wouldn't say they're going in not thinking they're underdogs, but they're going in thinking that they can absolutely beat this Argentinian team. And you know what? Like, the, the Croatia were beyond this point four years ago. So what's to say they cannot do that again? Alex, let's go to you for your take on this matchup. Yeah, I, I have no interest in backing Argentina here. Um, that being said, I'm not quite there on Croatia yet either. It's it's one of those, I mean, Croatia have defended very well, but I also think they have given up a lot of chances and have maybe been a bit lucky not to concede more than they have. Just, I mean, that Brazil game, but there was a, a flurry of chances and, you know, Levakovic looked like he was 
someone not named Lavakovic in that game. I mean, he looked very, very good. Uh, and I mean, the same thing against Belgium, you know, if Lukaku was able to just take one of his seven chances, you know, we're talking about a very different thing, but again, this is just tournament team. They know how to grind out results. I, I really don't have any interest in, uh, in betting Argentina, but I mean, I, I, I'm thinking maybe like an over here for myself, you know, if you can find like an over two, uh, I can just, I can see a both teams to score situation where just, I mean, Messi's brilliance right now, are Croatia going to be able to keep them out for the full 90 minutes, given that they're sort of giving up the chances, you know, you see them getting one. Um, I think Croatia are more than capable of scoring against Argentina. Argentina always look like they have a goal allowed in them right now. So that's kind of one route I'm maybe taking to look here, but uh, again, you know, they both just played 120 minutes. What are their fitness levels going to be at? It's, it's one of those very tricky games to sort of cap here. Um, the one thing I will say about, uh, <clears throat> about Scaloni is that I I've been impressed with the fact that he's been able to adapt now, whether he's just, you know, throwing excrement against the wall and, and it sticks is, is, you know, maybe that's the case. Um, but, you know, even just, uh, I think, you know, I believe that the team takes on the personality of a manager and the way that Argentina did blow that game against the Netherlands, <clears throat> but were able to respond the way they did in extra time. I think that, you know, that spoke to the, to, to, you know, what Scaloni has done with this team because it's so easy to concede those two goals and everything just sort of falls apart. It, it, you know, it goes to shit and then, and it's done, you know, your tournament's over, but the way they were able to respond, they really did look like scoring in that extra time period. So I think, you know, they were ultimately deserving of going through. Um, this is, you know, he's done at least a better job than Sampali did with this team. Uh, I mean, I don't think that was ever a very good fit. Um, he was, you know, a bit of a firecracker on the sidelines and you know, that I think that kind of showed through in their team. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not rushing to back Argentina here. Ultimately, I think they they do find a way to progress. Um, maybe just on the back of Messi once again, but you know, maybe a both teams to score something like that. I'm I'm still sort of sitting on this one. I, I wouldn't mind seeing some team team news, and yeah, I, I think that there could be goals in this one. I think I could also be sitting here and seeing them, you know, finish zero zero and thinking, yeah, maybe you know that makes a lot of sense. But just with you know the way Messi is playing right now. Um, the way the Argentina defense is playing, the way that, you know, Croatia are able to sort of battle back in these games and create their opportunities, but, you know, still give me up some chances. It wouldn't surprise me to see some goals in this. I think if you're getting the security of that, that flat too, um, that, you know, it's a, it's a look that I would definitely consider. So interesting. Alex thinking maybe goals, Paul thinking maybe very minimal goals, Adrian looking at a plus 0.5 market. I don't really have any strong side for this one. Very tough to call semifinals. Like just so much is at stake here. If you force me to play something though, I would have probably have the Argentina inside the 90s. So we all kind of agree on the way the game is going to go. Like it's just going to be maybe a stubborn Croatian team that can definitely pick out a, a seemingly weak Argentina backline, but maybe there's just that little bit of quality that's Argentina's. It's interesting that all four of us see that the same way but we can have maybe a differing opinions on the res on the results because it's just so difficult to call these world cup games and uh, i think that's a good way to finish off with that one and move into the second one france against morocco here pulling up the odds again france they're favoring this one uh, minus 189 now morocco plus 625 that is in the 90 i'll pull up to uh, the two advance as well here and france is minus 480 so absolutely Monster favorites here. That plays into them being the outright favorites, uh, which I can pull up potentially as somebody is talking here, if that's available. Uh, let's go to Adrian once again. Your thoughts on how this game play out, if Morocco have anything left in the tank, and how you can really just get this one on a betting perspective. 
It looks like they have an unlimited tank. They just <laughs> plug and play. Amrabat right? definitely does. Yeah, the, my two favorite players in that team, Amrabat and uh, Sofian Buffal, they just work and work and work and just get the job done without. Uh, I mean, they they show a lot of uh, spirit and they always motivate their their teammates. Uh, the one thing here is Morocco is not just playing for themselves, but they're playing for the whole Arab world. Uh, all the other countries have kind of rallied behind them, and uh, the support has been incredible in Qatar. And uh, we've seen more tickets being allocated to them, and uh, they're looking to have like thirty to thirty-five thousand people in the stands for this game, which is massive for. And you uh, hear for, them when they're in the stands. Oh, for sure, for sure. They they are. Uh, you know, if the other team has possession, they are whistling the whole time, and it's. Uh, you know, it's it's an atmosphere that can be intimidating. I don't think the French players will be intimidated by that because they've been around the block once or twice. Uh, but um, they need to find a way to, to quicken the pace and get uh, get the ball in behind that defense. They have the weapons on the outside. Um, France should win this game, but I would not be surprised if uh, any anything else uh, you know happens. Well said there. Um, I think we're all going to probably be in agreement here that France should definitely win this game. I'm curious to see if anybody is going to take a flyer here on Morocco. Sure. I, I think Alex might be the, uh, the one out of anybody. We'll get to him, though. Uh, just going over some of the lines here, uh, mm-hmm. to get a Morocco plus 0.5, which is equivalent of the double chance here, you can get that at plus 150. France on the handicap is minus 200. So, uh, I mean, you may as well just take them to win at a better price, minus 189. Interesting stuff there. On the goals market, uh, this one is also juiced to the under. So both games, I, I think as you go deeper in the tournament, it's just teams want to concede. Teams would prefer not to concede than to score sometimes. Uh, if if that's the right way to put it there, but let's go to Paul, your your thoughts on this one, and if you can approach this one from a betting perspective. Again, it will be it will be small stakes for me, but I I think that um, I've been looking at, at semi final trends going back to to 1990, and I know that can be a fool's errand from a betting perspective at times because it's different tournaments, different tactics, and stuff like that. But generally, <clears throat> um, I, I quite like the look of the fact that. I think over 60% of, of all semi-finals have been a draw at halftime. Um, so I could very much see like Morocco keeping it tight and, and taking France to halftime and basically the first half being a bit of a procession here and then France maybe getting it done in the second half. So I think you're looking at plus 260 there of, of draw halftime, France full-time. And that's probably going to be definitely be in my wheelhouse for that one because I do think France will get it done. I just think they've got more ways to get it done than France and Portugal had, sorry, Spain and Portugal had in those matches. Um, I think they can hit you from multiple areas with, with Giroud in the air, with Mbappe skillful, with uh, Dembele's pace uh, with Griezmann's guile they've got mul- multiple ways to break down that defence in fact they've got arguably every way a team can break, that, break down that defence so I think they will get it done but I, I'm not expecting um, them to score many more than one probably so I think that maybe draw half time France full time will be the way that I would go even though I would probably like a bit juicier odds on that but just with the way that the trends have went in previous semi-finals, I think that getting on board with it being a draw at half-time and then France getting it done is, is the way I would go. And I think team news is going to be a big part of all, all of these as well because if Morocco come in with both centre-backs available in, in Aguero and Saiz, if Masraoui's playing and he's fit to play, I think that does change up the, the, the way you kind of... I mean, I don't know, it's plug-and-play, but I, that definitely has to factor into your handicap a little bit here. So... Maybe team news is going to be important here. Uh, they're just so banged up at this point. They've played such just 
difficult matches here. The amount of running they've had to do. And, you know, Amrabat is, is there in the 90th minute against Portugal in basically his own box running through three Portuguese player players to clear the line. So maybe they do still have more in the tank. Alex, uh, you're all done with your futures on Morocco. They've all cashed, so no longer have to factor those into the equation here. Are you still going to go with Morocco here, or are you finally saying maybe this is enough or staying away from that market going for goals? Yeah, I mean, might as well go back to the well. Um, I think you can get some <laughs> uh, so, some plus ones at close to even money, which is probably the route that I would take on this one. Um, you know, if France do end up finding a way to get this done, which I think they will ultimately, whether it's, you know, in uh, within the 90 or in extra time. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be uh, by a wide margin by any means. So I, I like the security that, that provides. But I mean, again, you know, hopefully you'd hope that Aguered and Mizrawi will play. Um, it was looking like they were going to play against Portugal. Didn't ultimately prove true, but they have been training since before that match. I would imagine they'll be in there again. Maybe it does not matter. I mean, it very, very well, uh, very well might not. I think that they can make life tricky on France. I think that they can uh, find a way to attack down those flanks, you know, whether it's through Mesrao and Bouval or, you know, through the opposite flank with uh, Hakimi. And um, I think that, you know, they'll have a couple chances to grab a goal of their own in this game. Um, France, maybe will they be able to break them down? You know, will they be able to quicken the pace or will Morocco be able to get them to play to their tempo? Uh, I'm not so sure. So I just think that, they're going to make this very tough. And um, I like the, uh, I like to look at that plus one there. I think that, you know, I mean, maybe I'm betting a little bit with the heart too. I love what I've seen from them. You know, the videos of the, the fans celebrating all across the world have, have been awesome. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the one with the security guard, the Moroccan security guard in the stadium who, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was very cool too. So it's been, it's been a great story. And I just, uh, I don't think that this is a fairy tale team. You know, I spoke to it earlier. I think that this is a team that very much belongs where they are right now. And um it's not job done for them yet. So, oh, I mean, both these games, incredibly difficult to suggest what's going to happen, even despite the fact that, like, maybe this is two teams that are two, – two matchups, excuse me, with favorites, like wide favorites here that you normally wouldn't get in a semifinal setting because you'd expect, like, the four of the world's superpowers to be here. With, with full respect to Croatia and Morocco, I don't think this they were expected to get to this point, whereas – France and Argentina, I don't think anybody is necessarily shocked the fact that these teams are available here. Uh, let's go to the futures market. Um, just just to kind of show you guys here. So France is at plus 110. I will remind you guys that they are big favorites in that semifinal. That's probably playing at the odds a little bit here. But I also feel like this is representative of France are the best team remaining. Argentina are plus 175. Croatia is plus 750. Morocco plus 900. Uh, I don't know if... That's anywhere really worth a look here. Uh, maybe, Alex, you think like a plus 900 Morocco to win it all. Is there a- any meat on that you think you can take advantage of? I think that, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, if you were to, to parlay Morocco to advance and then Morocco to lift the trophy potentially against uh, Argentina, you'd probably get a much better price on that. All right. So I think that's an interesting way to look at it as well. I was going to, so I, we're going to do this now. Uh, I've done it before. I'm going to force you guys to pick, make a pick for both of the games. Uh, to, for the audience listening, not suggesting that this is going to be something that they're actually going to play, but your best look at this point with the present information, what would you go to? I get to go last because I need to think about it more. Um, who's ready? Alex, can you give us uh, your picks for the semifinals? I'll, uh, I'll say um, Argentina in extra time and Morocco in penalties. Okay. And Paul? 
<clears throat> so I, I would go for a um, uh, a longer odds double. Um, this tournament has reminded me quite a lot of 2002, and both semi-finals in 2002 had an underdog and two strong favourites, and the strong favourites won one zero in, in both those semis. So by pure chance, I'm going to pick <laughs> one one zero Argentina, one zero France as a correct score double. Interesting. And Adrian, any way you want to go towards this? So I grabbed some uh, some France to win the trophy plus 135 as soon as the quarterfinals are over. So I'm kind of rooting for them there. Uh, I'm going to be on Croatia plus a half for sure. Uh, in the second game, I'm waiting on uh, on the referee assignments. I have uh, I have a nice lean to over on the cards. I think it's going to be a tense game where uh, yeah. Morocco can get under the skin of uh, France and France has been known to uh, to respond to, to such things. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be in Marseille on Wednesday night. Let's uh, let's put it that way. So, <laughs> uh, it to, to further that, I'm sure you're well well aware of this. In case any any of the viewers are not aware, of, any listeners are not aware of this, the the cards have reset here, so there's no risk of suspension for any of the players available. And best, <laughs> I can guarantee you, the team is up one nil late. They are going to be they're going to be taking their yellow cards to waste as much time to stop any sort of counters as much as possible. Uh, for myself, if I am going to approach this one from a betting perspective here. I've Argentina score Messi. I mean, I would guess he's going to be involved in some way. So I think there's a market plus 105 on Betfred for Messi to score a goal here. If I have to absolutely make a play, that's probably the way I go here. I don't really want to try to pick out who's going to win the match. I'll show the odds here. So Messi plus 105 to, to grab a goal. That could be a penalty. There could be so many different ways. And I'm kind of starting to think that this is Messi's tournament coming up in the big moments and stepping up to the plate. So we'll take that one. On the other side, if I have to choose between France or Morocco, just, yeah, I can't see France running over this Moroccan team. And just the way they've defended, it's hard not to back that, despite the injuries, running out of gas. So I think a handicap on Morocco is the way to approach this one. If you can get the security of a plus one, I like the way that one looks. But that will wrap it up from us here at fine margins for today. So a really good episode loaded with content, despite not as many games to talk about, but it's just so many narratives, so many great stories as we get through the rest of this tournament. The only good thing about a World Cup in the winter is the middle of the season, that when it's over, you have a little bit less time to wait for the next World Cup because I am thoroughly uh, going to miss discussing this tournament, watching the tournament, as I'm sure uh, my colleagues here are as well. But there's one more show coming for you guys. There's not going to be one in the next two days. We're going to let all the markets get themselves ready for Thursday. Thursday is going to be the big show. Make sure you're out here on Thursday on the Fine Margins YouTube channel. Subscribe to get notified when we go live and follow us on Twitter for all updates on the show. Thursday at 4.15 p.m. Eastern Time. No risk of extra time or penalties on that day where we talk about the third place match, which might be a little bit hard to handicap because teams generally don't play good players in that game and or their best players, rather. No, let's not be disrespectful. And also, of course, the final. One of the most bet on events in the world, I'm sure. Plenty of opinions to discuss, so make sure you're tuned in on those platforms. And once again, this is presented by Betfred. Sign up to Betfred for your sports betting needs for the rest of the World Cup and beyond. And check out the Hammer Betting Network at thehammer.bet for more sports betting content around the sporting world. Thank you to Alex, Paul, and Adrian. Hopefully, we see you some viewers on Thursday.